And one of the things that I feel God's speaking to me, and I've asked Dan if I can have permission, kind of like to trial this out on you. I've done this the last couple of years here in Sheffield when I've been doing a talk on Devoted, and mostly it's been online. This one obviously is uh, Devoted Leaders Live. And sometimes when I get a prophetic word, I find it's quite helpful to test it out on a few people. Uh, Feel free to tell me it's rubbish. Feel free to tell me it didn't really chime with you. Feel free to tell me that it wasn't the word of the Lord. But I kind of feel God is speaking to me about us as a people being in an in-between stage. We've come out of something and we are now going into something. What we've come out of is pretty clear. We can look back and see what we've come out of. What we're going into isn't quite so clear. And we're in this in-between stage. I don't know if you remember 18 months ago, Ginny Bergen. Ginny's not here this morning. I think she's been traveling down to Bermondsey. She might be joining us online, I don't know, or watching later. But Ginny had this magnificent word that she brought to us as a team. I think she brought it here to you guys as well, about us being a people in the in-between. She said this, it's like we're a people caught in limbo. When we're caught between two things, we're waiting for something to resolve or to reset, but as yet it hasn't done. We're kind of in this in-between stage. I read a book on holiday by a guy called Mark Sayers, who's a cultural commentator. He's a pastor in Melbourne, Australia, but he's a cultural commentator on what God's doing in churches across the world. And the book, the paragraph that really struck me in his book said this, we've not yet entered a new era. Instead, we've entered an in-between phase. He used that exact same word, in-between. An in-between phase, a grey zone. Grey zones exist in the overlap of two eras. They contain the influence of both the passing and the forming of a new era. This makes a grey zone confusing and contradictory. If you felt confused, we're in this grey zone. We're in this in-between time. When viewed through a biblical lens, he says, grey zones are moments that often precede renewal, rebirth and revival. We're in this in-between phase. And I think God's really spoken to me about the time when the children of Israel had come out of the wilderness and they were going to enter into the promised land, Neil, to eat their vegetables. But they were not yet in. And if you've got a Bible, I wonder if you could turn to Joshua chapter 1. And I just want to, God's really spoken to me this last week, actually, out of this passage. And I just want to draw a few points for us as churches and as a church, as a local church. This will be spoken to leaders in a couple of weeks' time, but I'm speaking it to us as the people of God. Let's just read Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1 to verse 9. I'm reading it from the NIV, but it's relevant in all the translations and paraphrases. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the River Jordan. 
into the land I'm about to give them. They're in this in-between phase. They're out of the desert. They're on the footsteps or foothills of the land, but not quite in it. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates to the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And no one will better stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Now, kids, just notice in this passage what words come out at least three times in these next few verses. Okay, I'm asking you, what comes out three times in these next few verses? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it for the left or the right, that you might succeed or be successful wherever you go. Don't let the, this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What are those two words? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're kind of like in this new phase. It's like the desert is behind us. Now, the desert, you might think, was a negative place. You might think the desert was a difficult place. But actually, during the desert time, the people of God had known incredible provision, miraculous provision, and they'd known amazing leadership. Moses was probably the most successful leader of the Old Testament, one of the great leaders, one who would be always remembered as the deliverer, the one who took them out of Egypt and brought them to the borders of the promised land. And if you were brought up in the desert, actually you'd have had everything provided for you. The only thing that you needed to do was, number one, get up in the morning. Number two, just check to see if the cloud is moving. Because if the cloud is moving, you know today we're going to break camp and go to a different place. But probably not, because it didn't move that often in 40 years. Probably not, the cloud's not moving, so we're okay. Because there was this miraculous cloud of God's presence that led them. And then number three, you just went and picked up the manna. You went and picked up the sweet bread that Neil wouldn't be too impressed with, but uh, wasn't very vegetable-like, but uh, was full of sugar probably and honey. Uh, you, had to, you had to gather the manna and that was it. That's all you had to do. And it was kind of like an okay existence for 40 years. Everything's provided for. You don't have to do an awful lot. You get up, you check the cloud, you collect the manna, and that's it. Now, things are going to be different. We've left the desert with all its provision and all its strong leadership behind because Moses is dead. He's gone. And we're out of the desert. 
There's no more manna now. There's no more quail falling out of the sky. There was a bit of meat. There's no more water from the rock. Now we're going to have to live differently as we go into the promised land. We're going to have to learn to do things like fighting battles. We've never fought battles before. You know, the worst thing, we sent the musicians out and they fought a few battles. But we never had to fight many battles in the wilderness. Now we're going to have to fight some battles from the enemies of God. We're going to have to take some cities. Now we're going to have to do some farming and grow all those vegetables and all the vines and all the good things that comes from vines. Grapes. And we're going to have to raise families and build homes and build communities. It's going to be very different. And I want to say there's four things from this passage that I think God wants to speak to us about the people of God just to remind us how different it's going to be. And I think, first of all, we need some new leadership. Moses is dead. We need to be changed as the people of God. Now, Joshua was a very different person to Moses. And I believe in this season, God's raising us up as a Christian community actually to be different. Now you think, I can't change. How can I change? How can I be different? I'm, I'm a great uh, political commentator and I love watching the, the politics shows. It really bores Anne because uh, I, I, I listen to the political podcasts, I listen to the political shows. And this week, this is not a political statement, it's just a statement of fact. Robert Peston, who's the ITV's political commentator, said this, and it was just so funny. He said this, for Boris Johnson to survive, he needs to become a completely different person. <laughs> I mean, that's not a political comment. It's just like, he can't change. We don't ch people don't change. Actually, we're in the business of a God who changes things and changes people. The people of God will change in this new in-between phase. And we need to change from a people who are just compliant People who just get up in the morning, check the cloud doesn't move, eat the manna, collect the manna, eat the manna. To people now who live differently, who fight, who farm, who raise families, who do things differently. And that change, I believe, is going to come from God. We're not going to have to try and change ourselves. God's going to do it. And actually, God, beautifully, is in the business of change. I've been reading through uh, Samuel, and uh, I came across this verse, which kind of I'd forgotten about. It's there in the Old Testament, but when you read through the Bible, you come across verses that you'd forgotten about. And it said this about Saul. And Saul, King Saul, isn't the greatest example of leadership in the Old Testament. But it does say this about Saul. It says this in 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 and 9. The Spirit of the Lord, this is prophesied, Samuel says to Saul, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you, Saul, and you will be changed into a different person. And as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And God could do that with us as a people. I believe he's going to effect change in us during this season. There's change happening amongst us. And therefore, my first point is this. We need leaders, yes, but a community who have devoted hearts, who are, what was my two words, if you can remember them? Strong and courageous. And I think it's all about character. 
And God wants to really put his finger on character. You see, Moses was a charismatic leader. He was the one who went up the hill, heard from God, came down, told the people what to do. And you just had to rely on Moses to lead you. I believe there's a new season coming when all God's people will hear God's voice. And yes, we need leadership, but it's a different kind of leadership. And we need leaders and we need people who've got soft hearts and people who are willing and obedient to hear God. And this sense of being strong and courageous, I believe, is talking about our hearts before God. So the word courage comes from the French or Latin root core, which means heart. It means to have a strong heart, to be able to face danger without fear of ruling you. And I believe God wants to put his fingers on our hearts and give us soft hearts. How many times over these last few years and even these last few weeks have you heard about leaders who have fallen? Big national names, names that we would have honoured who have fallen. It's because there was something wrong in the heart. There was something wrong inside. And I believe God wants to put his finger on the people of God. It's interesting what happens. We haven't got time to look at the story here, but Joshua and God is about to lead them to consecrate their hearts. Joshua chapter 3, you can read all about it. They consecrate themselves to God. And I believe there's a new consecration of us giving our hearts to God during this time. And God, I believe, values character over gifting. See, God can just give gifting like that. But God wants to work character, godliness, into our very hearts inside. The word that often coincides with that, if you look it up, character is the word integrity. That we are integrous together. We're one. We're not duplicitous. We don't say one thing publicly, but do another thing privately. Actually, God wants to talk to us as a people about consecrating our hearts, about being right with him about knowing that he's cleansed our hearts, he's given us a new heart, he's changed us, and therefore he wants to live out of that new creation, holy, available, honest. He wants us to be faithful, servant-hearted, willing to get our hands dirty, accountable, vulnerable, transparent. He wants us to be those who are discipling and equipping the next generation out of who we are, not just out of a series of doctrines that we passed on, but out of our hearts, who we are. This sense of integrity of heart, it said in the Psalms, David led the people with the skill of his hands, gifting's important, and the integrity of his heart. And God wants, and I believe, is building integrity and heart amongst us. And it may be even this morning that you need to line your heart up with God. There may be some things you need to change and say, Lord, I want to I be an integrous person. I want my life to be full of integrity. I want my character to be true to what God has said it should be. I want to be right with you. I read recently that uh, 
You all remember the, well, you don't remember the Titanic. I don't think anyone's old enough to remember the Titanic. It sank in 1912. You'd have to be quite old to remember it. But you all know about the Titanic, don't you? You all know about this big ship that sailed in 1912. It was declared to be unsinkable because when it was constructed, it used the latest technology. The ship's hull was no longer one piece, but was divided into 16 watertight compartments. And the engineers declared that even if four of these compartments were flooded, the ship would still float. Unfortunately, on the 15th of April, with the loss of 1,500 lives, the Titanic sunk when it hit an iceberg. And it was assumed for nearly a hundred years, that it was because the gash from the iceberg hit not one, not two, not three, not four, but five compartments, and therefore the ship was flooded. Because you could flood four and the ship can still survive. Well, in 1985, some of you will remember this because this was on the news and they did a film about it. In 1985, they found the wreck of the Titanic. And what they were amazed about was there was no big gash down the side. There was one piercing that had pierced one compartment, only one. And what they surmised was this. The titanic mistake is to divide lives up into compartments and think, if I surrender that compartment, if that compartment is broken, it'll be all right. In fact, I can probably break three or four compartments in my life. Maybe my, finance, my finances. doesn't matter if I make a mistake there. Maybe my sexual integrity. Maybe what I watch. Maybe what I do. Maybe a few arguments. Maybe the way I trip. It doesn't matter if one or two things are wrong because the rest of my life is okay. No, it really does matter. The Titanic shows us that you can pierce one compartment and the whole thing sunk. Biblically, God is looking for a people of integrity. He's looking for people who obey him in all of life. And Rick Warren, the great American pastor from California, says this, it's the life of integrity that God is looking for, one that is not divided into compartments. Private purity is the source of public power. And dear friends, I think God is talking to us about our hearts. In this grey zone, in this in-between, coming out of the wilderness, going into the land, God is talking to us about our heart. Be devoted in our hearts. Number two, I believe God's talking to us about being freshly devoted to his word. Freshly devoted to the promises of God. It says in verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. It says in verse six, you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers. God has made some promises. God has said some things that will happen. And we need in this in-between phase, in this grey zone, to freshly discover what God has said to us. Now, they might be individual promises to you. It might be promises kids. It might be promises that God has said to you. It might be promises that God has said to your family. It might be promises that God has said to City Church Sheffield. It might be promises that God has said to us 
as Christ's central and new frontiers. And it might be just biblical promises that are true for all time because God has set it in his word. And I believe at this time, God was speaking to Joshua. Yeah, number one, get your heart right, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that that comes three times. I think the first time Joshua heard it, yeah, be strong and courageous. Yes, Lord, my heart, I'll get that right. Now, be strong and, and very courageous. <laughs> comes again. Be strong. And yeah, I'm getting it, Lord. I was kind of encouraged till you were encouraging me three times. It's like God's really speaking to us about our hearts. And then he says, no, this is about my promises. This is about the word of God. This is about what God has said to us. And I believe what God is speaking to us about is rediscovering the promises of God and believing the promises of God for our day. For instance, they had a pretty clear geographic promise, a pretty clear bit on a map that God said, I'm going to give you that and your rule, your reign, your expression of community, your living is going to flood all that piece of the geographical land. Now, God's given us some promises about geographical land. And he said this, Surely as I live, all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Every single one of these maps, every single one of these flags that's represented here in the Jubilee Centre. And therefore we can pray and get hold of the word of God with certainty. What, one of you prayed out beautifully about our friends in Ukraine. And we've been praying and crying for them, saying, God, that's not, actually it's not about nationalism. Because Ukraine doesn't belong to Zelensky or the people of Ukraine. It certainly doesn't belong to the Russians and Putin. It's your land, Lord. You love that people. You love that land. And surely all the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Therefore, we pray for Donbass region. We pray for Mariupol. We pray for those cities and those towns. We pray for those we love there, that the glory of the Lord would flood that place. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes on us, we're going to go into all the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, Ukraine kind of feels like the end of the earth to me. Well, Lord, you said you're going to bless your people, and we're going to go to the ends of the earth and support and encourage and bless. I want to encourage you, get hold of the promises of God. Get hold of what God said in his word. Now, some of them will be very specific to Sheffield. I know that God's spoken to you before about the seven hills of Sheffield and the, you know, like the like Rome, the city built on seven hills, you know, and there being citadels and valleys and God speaking and God doing stuff. Get hold of the promises of God. Get hold of God's word, whether it's God's written word, and of course that is undisputable, his written word, or whether it's the prophetic word of God that God's spoken through prophets. We get hold of it and we pray it back to God. To me, it's like a, I don't know whether this, has that door got a handle? I can't see, Rich. Has the door got a handle? You know, it's very hard to open a door that hasn't got a handle. It's possible, but it's hard. If you get hold of a handle, you can turn it and push it open. And to me, the promises of God are like getting hold of a handle, getting hold of what God said and applying it and pushing it. See, we're not told to be passive in this season. We're not told to oh, just let go, let go, just wait. Just be a good, nice person. 
you know, good heart, clean heart, good person. Well, actually, we're called to act. They're gonna, in a minute, they're going to fight. They're going to take territories. They're going to plant. They're going to farm. They're going to raise communities and families. They're going to do some stuff. But they're doing stuff because God has promised them some things. God has promised them territories, promised them land. And God has promised us some things. And we need to get hold of it. We need to grab hold of it. We need to say, that promise is mine. That promise is ours. And we're going to pray it back to God. I love the verse, which is not particularly about prayer, but it is about getting hold of God's promises. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, he says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Do you realize that Jesus has taken hold of you to take hold of some door handles? Jesus has taken hold of City Church to take hold of some territory. I love that promise. It says, wherever your foot goes. Just think about it. It's now 10 to 12 on a Sunday morning. We know where your feet are now. They're in the Jubilee Center. Or if you're at home listening to this, they're at home. But where will your feet be tomorrow? In that community? In that school? In that office? In that classroom? In that lecture room? In that factory? In that boardroom? In that shopping center? Where will you be? There, where your foot is placed down tomorrow, God wants to give you that land. God wants to give, make you a blessing there. Take hold. These promises aren't just vague and general for the people of God. They're specific for us. Wherever we tread tomorrow, wherever we go tomorrow, we're the carriers of the word of God that God will flood all the earth with his glory. Get hold of it and pray it back to him with the promises of God. That's number two. We'll move through this quickly, don't worry. Number three, so it's, with, it's, it's number one was a fresh sense of character, a fresh sense of our de devoted hearts, be strong and courageous. Number two was a fresh sense of being devoted to God's word and specifically his promises. And do you know what? You can be devoted to God's word, but not devoted to his promises. You can love the doctrines without applying them into your life. You can be biblically correct and functionally do nothing. I know people like that. They love to study. They love the doctrine, but they don't outwork it. The doctrines, the promises of God are there that we might outwork them in life. It's important we remember that. These are to be walked out. Wherever you tread, I'm going to give you territory. Number three, a fresh devotion to the Spirit of God. A fresh devotion to the Spirit of God. In this passage, verse 5, it says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, we believe that it's a different kind of leader that's needed for this season. It's a Joshua leadership, not a Moses leadership. But God says, as I was with Moses, as I empowered Moses, there was nothing, if you look at Moses in his early life, there was nothing particularly impressive about him. He couldn't even speak at one point. He, he, he was a bit impetuous sometimes. He took matters into his own hands, killed an Egyptian, fled wasn't faithful. 
He wasn't particularly impressive himself, but when God came on him, when the Spirit of God flooded Moses, suddenly Moses was a different person. So it's not about, oh, you've got to be more like Moses. No, you've got to receive the Spirit the same as Moses. The same Spirit, Joshua, that was on Moses is now on you. And dear friends, the same Spirit that was on those early disciples, the same Spirit that was on Jesus, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of God, Jesus said, has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem and the Spirit will come and fill you and empower you and push you forward, propel you from Jerusalem, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. The same Holy Spirit is upon us, dear friends. I just think we've come out of a very difficult time in terms of receiving the Spirit. I think we've just got to fess up to it. We've just got to be open about it as a people. We've just got to be saying the last two years have been really See, there's some good bits. See, I think the Word of God was preached even more powerfully over Zoom sometimes. <laughs> Those of us who normally preach for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour, learn how to be really concise. Not that you're noticing it this morning, but learn how to be kind of concise on Zoom. And, and you know, we, we, we all were wrapped in our attention. You know, we, we got a lot of information during the last two years. We got a lot of instruction. We got a lot of teaching. But what we didn't get is a lot of corporate filling of the Spirit of God. And my contention is this. You don't get filled with the Spirit individually at home, biblically. Now, God in his grace will do that and does do that. But if you look in Scripture, I defy you to find any instant where somebody on their own receives the Spirit. It's all about a body. It's all about a community. Even Paul, it's a disciple, Ananias, who has to come and lay hands on him to receive the Spirit. Jesus, it's when he gets baptized and there's John the Baptist. So it's in community. It's amongst the people of God. I think Jules prayed out about the promises of God. She said something like this morning. You know, Lord, I thank you for these promises that are, you know, they're mine, but they're ours, really. It's about community. It's about us together receiving these promises. And we've missed that. And people say to me, when will it be back to normal again? I'm not sure it'll ever be quite back to normal. It's a new normality. But what won't change is us being a corporate, spirit-filled community. The people of God who receive the Spirit of God together in community. Being filled together. Being empowered together. I think we've lost something of that as we've come out of pandemic. I don't know about, are you hungry for that? I'm thirsty for that. I'm desperate for that. That empowering that comes when God comes upon us, when God fills us, when God does something of his spirit amongst us. Dear friends, I think we need to be freshly devoted to the spirit. We need to be, the same spirit that was on Moses is on Joshua, is on us. And therefore, let's not just be doctrinally correct about the spirit. Let's be receiving the Spirit. Let's be a people who learn how to receive the Spirit. Learn how to receive the gifts of the Spirit. That's part of the package. It's not just receiving the Spirit. It's receiving his gifts for empowerment. He wants to send us out with the gifts. Now, we learn how to use the gifts here. 
We learn how to prophesy. We learn how to hear the word of God and apply. We learn how to uh, pray for the sick. We learn how to do that in the community of God. Yes, but this is only the classroom of the community that we might do it in the real community. I want to encourage you this week. When you see somebody whose head is down, when you see somebody who is sick, when you see somebody who is struggling and it's not hard, you have to be you have to almost cover your eyes not to see them. Step out and have a word of love. Have a word of kindness. Have a word of compassion. Maybe even have a word of prophecy. Maybe even offer to pray. In my experience, no one has ever turned me down for praying for them publicly in the marketplace, in a coffee shop. No one, ever. That's probably because they don't believe you're actually going to do it there and then. <laughs> they think, you know, if you say, can I pray for you? They all say yes. They think they just, you're just going to add it to your prayer list at home. No, pray for them there. Pray for them now. But, and, and you'll catch them out before they even have a chance to shut their eyes or say no. You're praying. And you're showing love and you're showing kindness. The gifts of the Spirit and the, the power of the Spirit must flow out from this place to life. And that's the other thing about the Spirit. The Spirit comes on the people of God that we might be the missional people of God. Jesus never imagined the church fulfilling his mission without his power, which was the power of his spirit coming and empowering us and coming and filling us. And if we're going to take the promises of God, the word of God seriously about all the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, every place where your foot touches down, it means that we're not just propelled by good intention. We're not just propelled by the niceness of our hearts. We're propelled by the power of the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes on the church of Jesus, we get to do the works of Jesus. We get to proclaim the wonders of Jesus in the community. I believe God's coming on us to do that. And I believe there's promises for you here in Sheffield for new fruitfulness. Do you remember fruit over the wall? Fruit over the desk. Fruit in the next classroom. Fruit in the next table at that restaurant, fruit at the next table in the coffee shop, fruit in the next door garden, fruitfulness for you. My last point. So there's three, four points that we've had. I believe in this grey zone, in this new season, we're coming out of something into something. We're not quite sure what we're going into, but during this period, God is wanting us to consecrate our hearts. He's wanting us to be a people of integrity, a people of purity, a people whose hearts are devoted to him. Secondly, we're a people who are freshly devoted to the word of God and we're taking his promises personally and seriously as a community. And we're a people that are going to be propelled by the power of the Spirit. We're a people that God's coming on and there's a new heart's cry, I believe, for the Spirit. And lastly... I believe there's going to be a new obedience, a fresh obedience, freshly devoted to obedience. And I believe God is going to speak to us. I love it here in Sheffield. And we gather so frequently, so often to pray, to hear from God. And prayer is very much a twofold thing. It's not just God, we want this. God, we're asking for that. And that's right. We should be doing that. We should be asking we should be knocking. Jesus says, ask, seek, 
knock, keep on rattling on heaven's door saying, God, you said, I'm not going to go away until you fulfill your promises. I'm going to get hold of the handle. I'm going to turn it. God, you said this. You said this about my family. You said this about my community. You said this about our children. We're praying those promises, but it's also this. I think we do a lot of talking in prayer. We don't do a lot of this. Listening. I think God wants to encounter us, or rather, he wants us to encounter him afresh in this grey zone, in this waiting period. We haven't got time to look at it now, but if you look forward in the story, we've come out of the desert, Moses is dead, Joshua has been raised up as the new leader. It's a new season of leadership. It's a new season of Joshua. The name Joshua means Jesus, by the way. There's a new season of Christ-centered leadership. There's a whole new thing that's going on. He's speaking. God speaks to him about devoting his heart, about knowing the word, about the same spirit on him that was on Moses. And then there's this consecration that happens in chapter 3. And if you look what happens in the next couple of chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, you can read this in the book of Joshua. Basically, Joshua encounters Jesus like he's never encountered him before. You know, those those first few encounters, we don't get the idea that he meets God. We get the idea he hears God. Now, whether it was an audible voice or God speaking to his heart, we don't know. But suddenly, in Joshua chapter 5, he's up early before the people of God. The manna has stopped. Before them is this incredible walled city that we know is called Jericho. It's walls going up to heaven. And Joshua is up early. He's obviously head down. He's obviously concerned. He's carrying the promises. He's carrying the people of God in his heart. And suddenly, he encounters a man with a sword drawn, doesn't he? You remember the story. And Joshua a little bit like Mary in the garden, doesn't realise who it is. Are you a gardener? Uh, Mary. (laughs) Uh, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Which side are you on? Can we enlist you? Or do I need to kill you? And he says, he doesn't say neither like it says in our translations. The best translation is no. Just no. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? No. It doesn't really answer the question. Well, it actually does. No. I come as commander of the Lord of hosts. You can be on my side if you like. And Joshua freshly encounters the risen, I believe the risen, whether it's the risen Jesus in the sense of Mary encountering the risen Jesus, but I think it's, it's God in the flesh because he worships him and bows down. Yes, he worships. Yes, it's holy ground. Yes, he devotes his heart again. But then, the Lord gives very specific instructions. And I believe in this season, God is going to give us very specific instructions. I believe in this season, the prayer meeting is going to become more and more important to us. When we gather to hear him, when we gather to listen to him, He's going to give us very specific instructions about certain estates. He's going to be giving us very specific instructions about certain professions. He's going to be very specific instructions about certain age groups. He's going to be giving us very specific instructions about where he wants to break through. Because although God is breaking through everywhere, 
he's breaking through specifically somewhere. See, when Jesus, I was so impressed as I've been reading through the Gospels, Jesus only worked where he saw the Father working. Now, surely the Father's working everywhere all the time. Well, it would seem to be specifically the Father's working on certain communities, certain people. So Jesus sees a whole hospital of people. The pool of Bethesda, that, 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 the pool of, would, would be loads of sick people. But Jesus goes to one blind man. He, the guy didn't even say it coming. He goes to one blind man. He goes to one. To one. Why? Because Jesus said, I work where the Father's working. Jesus could sense where the Father's working. And I believe more and more in this season, God is going to be speaking to us about specific breakthrough. They've been fishing all night. Jesus says, throw your nets onto the other side. You know, Jesus, you don't understand. We're professional fishermen. You know a thing or two about carpentry. You don't know where the fish are. We do, and we haven't found any all night. No, throw your net over right now to the other side. Wow, bountiful catch of fish. Jesus knows where the Father's working, and Jesus, by his Spirit, will communicate that to the people of God. I believe it's going to be a season for us, more and more as the people of God, to hear God's voice. We need this fresh encounter. I love it in chapter 6, where it says, I think I've mentioned this before here, because I've preached on these verses here, I know. I love this verse. It says, now, this is the comment, whoever's writing this book, about Joshua's life, writes this. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up. No one went in and no one went out. Boy, is this a walled city. And the voice comes and says this. See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's been delivered into my hands. I can, I'm opening my eyes. It doesn't look like it's been delivered. Okay, what eyes are you looking with? Are you looking with your fleshly, natural eyes, or are you looking with the eyes of faith? We don't walk by flesh. We walk by faith. We walk by sight that is given to us by God. Now, Joshua had known this. Joshua had been one. He was one of only two survivors from the pre-desert experience that didn't go into Kadesh Barnea, into the Promised Land, he and Caleb, when they were sent out as spies with the other uh, 10, they were the only ones who came back with a good report. And they said this, or rather the, the other 10 said this, sorry, the other 10 said this in Numbers 13, we can't attack these people, they are stronger than we are. All the people we saw there are of great size, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I mean, not only do we feel small, they think we're small as well. What fleshly eyes are that? And Joshua and Caleb said, no, we're able to take the country. God is with us. It's like David. David before Goliath, the whole army, including Saul, saw a powerful man with armor who could fight you to death. David just saw a guy who God wasn't with. God isn't even with him. We can take him. Doesn't matter how big it is. God's not with him. It's what eyes do you see things with? 
And I believe God in this day wants to give us fresh eyes, new eyes of faith to see that council estate, to see that road, that community, to see that school, to see that office, to see that neighborhood, to see your friends and families with fresh eyes. Oh, they're never going to receive the gospel. I, 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 you know, I couldn't do it, and they don't think I can either. I don't believe it, and they don't believe it. That, that's, that's with the eyes of the flesh. With the eyes of faith, we can do it if God has said it. So I believe to end this, just to say, I believe God is going to be freshly speaking to us as a people of God. Don't go back to normality. Don't say, oh, when's it going to be like it was? No, it's going to be different. We've come out of the desert where it was all provided for us and a hand and a plate. We've come out of that. The whole body of Christ now needs to rise up and start to fight where God says fight. Start to farm where God says farm. Start to raise family and build community where God says raise family and build community. We're a people who know what God says. We're empowered by the Spirit to do it. And we're listening to the Spirit say, now go. Now this area. Now that person. And my challenge is this. Are we ready? Are our hearts ready? Oh, it's just been such a tough time. You know, we've had such a tough two years. I think we just deserve another couple of, year, couple of years off. You just had two years off. Oh, it's so tough. It's been so hard. It's been hard for everybody. Our God has been doing something in this season. He's been putting our roots down deeper into him. He's been equipping us. He's been getting the nation, I believe, ready. He's been shaking things. What's going on at the moment with the economy is not Europe. It's not the Russian crisis. It's God shaking things, making people fearful and nervous and hearts that are open to anything, even God. I believe God is preparing a nation for the people of God to go in and to speak truth and to speak life and to speak blessing. Are you willing to be part of this? You're willing to line up and say, Lord, count me in. Just if you wanted to, I'm just going to pray. And I believe it's a, a consecration moment. I wonder if the band could come up. Just, we want to sing something that consecrates our hearts. We want to sing something that fixes our heart on God, about him being king and Lord and us surrendering. Most of the songs are about that. <laughs> could even sing when I said, no, that's no, no. Just think we should consecrate our hearts. We should know the times. It was said about the men of Issachar, they knew the times that we lived in. Do you know the times that we live in? This is a pivotal moment in history. And I believe God wants us to align our hearts with him, to consecrate our hearts, to say, Lord, I want my whole life to be one of integrity before you. Lord, I want to Obey your word. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to hear your instruction. I want to be devoted to you.